الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما خلقت الجن والإنس إلا ليعبدون صدق الله العظيم Most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters, the purpose, the object of your coming to madrasa is something that we have discussed on many, many occasions and it is something that we must keep revising, repeating because as long as this does not settle entirely in our hearts then the object will be defeated so alhamdulillah you are aware you are making an effort to acquire the objective but this is something that requires a constant reminder what is our object why have we come to a madrasa why have we come to learn deen so in the ayat of the Quran Sharif that was recited just now, Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That we have not created insan and jinnat except that they may worship me. I have not created insan and jinnat except that they may worship me. This is the literal translation of لِيَعْبُدُونَ so if this is the object for what Allah Ta'ala has created us then this object must be our object in all our efforts this must be the object of our coming to madrasa that how we can become the true abds the true slaves of Allah Ta'ala who are totally devoted to his worship because that is what Allah Ta'ala created us for a person manufactures something he manufactures a microwave oven for example now what is the purpose of that what is the object of that the object of that microwave oven is that it will heat whatever has been put into it it will cook it it will heat it though as time goes the research that keeps coming up is that these things are very harmful for the health the food that is heated in that microwave any case that's not our subject now but the point is that this is what this has been manufactured for now a person buys a microwave oven and he brings it, it home and now that food is put in there to be heated and they switch it on and it's all bright and shining and new and now they switch it on and that is spinning around that whole the turntable inside is spinning around, the light is on, everything, there's all glittering lights on the panel, it's all digital and whatever else. So after one minute, two minutes, five minutes, now they open it to take it out, it's just as cold as ever. Whatever was put into it is just as cold as ever. So they say, well, okay, put it again and press this button and switch that. After a couple of tries, they say, no, this is not right. So send it for repair. So maybe it'll go for a to somebody to get repaired or call some technician and the technician says well I tried 
and uh, I don't seem to be coming right with this. Well, then finally, now, under these kind of situations, you'll say, okay, if it's under guarantee now, this one must get out, but this one can't stay here. This one is out. Get another one, replacement. So why must this get out? Because this is now not serving its purpose. It's not serving its objective. To take another example, we are not in farming, so we may not relate with this so easily, but take a dairy farmer. A dairy farmer, he has a herd of cows that give milk. And as long as that cow is giving milk, then he looks after it, he feeds it, gives it good pastures to graze on, there are a lot of supplements that he then provides and there will be the facilities that are necessary for that cow to have a decent place to stay in, to be overnight sitting in some place and be safe from the elements, if it's raining or it's whatever else, this, whatever all the needs for that animal is, this person provides everything. Why? Because that object of having that cow is that it gives milk. So as long as it is giving milk for that duration, that cow will be looked after, that cow will be accommodated and whatever its needs are will be taken care of. But comes a time that this cow suddenly stops giving milk. Now it's dried up. It stopped giving milk. So what's going to be the next step? So for one day it will still carry on grazing. The second day, now this person is either looking for somebody to sell it off to. I don't want it. It doesn't serve my purpose anyway. This must go away to somebody else. And supposing if that is not feasible, or it's not going to work out because a milking cow has its value in its milk. Its value is not even in its meat. Generally, those cows, the breed that is for milking, there's a totally different breed that is really for the meat. This is Allah Ta'ala's nizam. Though that cow will also give milk. But you'll get a Jersey cow for example. So that Jersey cow is a special breed for milking. And a person who is breeding cows and cattle for the sake of the meat, then he will be looking at some other breed. He won't be buying Jersey cows. Those who are in this kind of field, they tell us all this. Allah Ta'ala's nizam that if this cow was as good for its meat as it is for its milk, people start slaughtering this cow. And then the quality of the milk would not be the same from other cows. Be that as it may. So now this cow has stopped giving milk and the owner now is looking to sell it off. Nobody's going to buy this thing or doesn't want to buy it. So what's the next step? I'm not going to be looking after this cow for nothing. It's not serving its purpose and object so then slaughter it slaughter it then give the meat away at a cheap price so whatever the case is sell it off to whoever but this cow is not serving any purpose so now it is only worthy of being slaughtered so keeping this in mind that when something doesn't serve the purpose and object something that we possess something that we own and it doesn't serve the purpose and object for which we bought it, for which we acquired it, then we say this is not worth looking after now, get rid of it. If it is some item, some appliance at home, it stopped working, 
Now throw it out. It's not serving our purpose. If it is some garment that is now not serving its purpose, it's meant to be, uh, for example, a jersey, but the jersey is so worn out that now it is as good as not being a jersey. It's like this wearing some other garment without giving that warmth. Say, well, this doesn't serve the purpose of a jersey. So get rid of it. So anything that doesn't serve our purpose, we want to discard it, we want to get rid of it, we want to move it out of our way. This is occupying space now. Out. So likewise, we need to reflect upon this, that Allah Ta'ala is saying, that Allah Ta'ala created us. When insan makes something, manufactures something, let alone just buying it off the shelf, he manufactured it. He put all the parts together, but then too, he didn't create the parts from nothing. He used the materials that Allah Ta'ala provided and all the resources that Allah Ta'ala provided. And then he used the intelligence that Allah Ta'ala gave. And he just merely put the things together. Otherwise, if he did everything on his own and one little, some stroke and the person's mind is now affected, he can't even add two plus two let alone all the technology putting it together. So Allah Ta'ala provided the raw materials, Allah Ta'ala provided all the resources, Allah Ta'ala provided the intelligence, the mind, who created that mind in his head, that mind which he is very proud of and arrogant over, that I thought about it and I did it this way, it was my planning and my intelligence and I was so sharp. Unfortunately, these things lurk in our minds and hearts. That's me, I, that me, in Urdu is pronounced as me. In, in Urdu, what we say me in English, in Urdu it's me. And the me sound is very similar to that sound of that sheep bleating. That sheep also makes me. So now if that sheep is somewhere in a jungle, and the jungle it makes me, then immediately some animal, some lion or some other uh, animal is going to find it and pounds on it, or some hunter is going to kill it. But if it sits quietly, it doesn't say me. Me means I now. It doesn't talk about itself. Because it's saying me all the time. Me. Me. I'm somebody. So as long as it keeps making me, one day the knife is going to come upon it. So likewise, insan, when he starts focusing upon himself, it's me, it's I, I did this, and I planned this, and I put this together, and I worked this out, and I, and I, as long as he starts looking at himself, then he's in great danger. And it's Allah Ta'ala's clemency, Allah Ta'ala's mercy, Allah Ta'ala's tolerance, that the azab doesn't come immediately. Otherwise, Allah Ta'ala has provided the lessons for us in the Quran Sharif. That don't ever look at yourself, don't ever think it's you, don't ever think you are capable of doing something, or something is your achievement, or you are the person who made this happen or make that happen and without you this won't work and if you are not in the process then things won't uh, materialize this happens on all different levels in a domestic level sometimes the husband is everything is because of me here and the wife says I am not here everybody will suffer this place so it's me because I am here everything is going and the children feel that we keeping everything going here and at every other level in a business every person is thinking not for me everything will just fall flat here. So every way, unfortunately, we focus upon ourselves. Allah Ta'ala is giving us the lessons in the Qur'an Sharif that لَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَوَاطِنَ كَثِيرَةٍ وَيَوْمَ حُنَيْنٍ 
Allah Ta'ala is addressing the Sahaba Ikram that on many occasions we assisted you. We assisted you on the occasion of Hunain as well. Is a'jabatkum kathratukum. When your numbers put you in some kind of uh, self-admiration and you thought that today our numbers are so big we can't be overpowered because we got the numbers. So it's we, I. The same thing, focusing on ourselves. Such a large number today in Badr, we were 313 and the Kuffar were 1000 strong and we just totally ran over them and now it is the other way around. They are 4000 and we are 12000. And in Badr we weren't even armed. Here we are armed. So some people, not all of the Sahaba also, a few of them who were new now, who had just come into Islam recently, after Fateh Makkah. So it was just Fateh Makkah took place, and then Nabi Islam proceeded to Hunain. And many people now joined in, who had just accepted Islam. So now some of them started thinking on these lines, and probably discussing these lines. And Allah Ta'ala turned the tables. And Allah Ta'ala says, A'jabatkum kathratukum. When your numbers made you feel very happy about yourself, فَلَمْ تُغْنِ عَنْكُمْ شَيْئًا But that didn't help you in the least bit. وَضَاقَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْأَرْضُ بِمَا رَحُبَتْ And the earth became narrowed for you, despite its vastness. In other words, you felt like, where can I run? There's no place to run. There's no way to hide. Because from all sides, suddenly you became the morsel of the enemy. ثُمَّ وَلَّيْتُمْ مُدْبِرِينَ And then you fled. But then, ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِهِ وَعَلَىٰ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Nabi Islam got left on the battlefield with a small group only. And the balance all moved out for a short while. But then Allah Ta'ala gave them the tawfiq. They all returned and they came and they repented. This was a lesson. Allah Ta'ala made it happen so the ummah will get a lesson. But the lesson for us to take is never to focus on ourselves. Always be focusing towards Allah Ta'ala. So where we were, we digressed from that as long as that cow, that item, whatever is fulfilling its object, its purpose, we look after it. We attend to whatever its needs are. But when it's not serving the object, we want to get rid of it. Allah Ta'ala also created us for an object, for a purpose. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ insa إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ that I've created insan and jinnat only for one purpose. So that they may devote themselves and dedicate themselves to my worship. So if we are going to do anything in life, that must be the primary objective. We have come to madrasa. That's the only objective that how I can become the true servant of Allah Ta'ala and devote myself to His worship. And if we are progressing in that, nothing happens overnight. Illa mashallah. From our side, everything happens gradually. So, if we are progressing in that direction, that we are becoming closer to Allah Ta'ala, becoming His greater servants, we are moving closer to His total slavery and servitude, then Alhamdulillah, the object of our coming to Madrasa is being fulfilled. Now, this is something that we nevertheless need to have clear in our mind which we have discussed on many occasions previously, the word ibadat, worship. We are saying that Allah Ta'ala has created us so that we may be devoted entirely to His worship. In many minds, the word worship, the word ibadat, 
is confined to sitting on the musalla and or performing salah or sitting on the musalla and reciting tasbih or making tilawat of the Quran Sharif, indeed these are very great forms of ibadat. And salah is the most fundamental ibadat in a Muslim's life. Without salah, Nabi Islam says that without salah in the life of a Muslim is like a body without a head. It's lifeless. There's no life. So salah has to be there. And zikr and tasbihat must be there also. And tilawat of the Quran Sharif must be there also. These are all forms of ibadat. But ibadat is a very wide concept. A person fulfills one's daily needs. Somebody is going out to earn. Some husband has to now care for his wife, care for his family. So he's going out to earn. So he's going out to earn not with the intention of making money. Just for the sake of making money. He's going out to earn so that whatever he will earn, that will become a means of that halal sustenance to take care of his family's needs. Because that is an, an obligation from the side of Allah Ta'ala. Now he is standing there in his shop and he's shouting to the customers, buy this 10 rand, 10 rand or 100 rand, whatever. He's getting the sawab of tasbih in that shouting 10 rand. Provided his intention is right and he's doing halal business. He is not transgressing the laws of Allah Ta'ala. So in that shouting 10 rand, 10 rand, he's getting the sawab of tasbih. And if a person is making tasbih and he's saying subhanallah, subhanallah, but the object is to impress somebody, then the object, if it is to impress somebody else, then he is far away from the object that Allah Ta'ala created him. So he is getting guna in saying subhanallah, because he's doing it for riyah. So that amal is now bringing the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. Can we imagine that person in the marketplace with the right intention to earn a halal living, and with the niyat of fulfilling the needs of his family, because Allah Ta'ala has placed this responsibility on him. He's saying 10, 20 rand and 50 rand, people shouting on the road now, they're selling something. Here we often get some van going past, shouting millies, millies. But if he's a Muslim doing this, and he's doing it for the sake of earning a halal living, and he's doing it in order to fulfill the needs of his family, because Allah Ta'ala has placed this obligation on him, that shouting milis, milis also is bringing the sawab of tasbih. And otherwise, that tasbih also will take him in some other direction if the niyat is wrong. So the whole thing is that to become the true servants of Allah Ta'ala, every aspect of life, a person eating in the correct way, in the sunnah manner, with that niyat, that this was the way Nabi Islam ate, so I'm going to imitate the sunnah. That eating is also now ibadat. The person went to sleep, but fulfilling the sunnah. That sunnah is also ibadat. And so many things, day-to-day things in life. Now a person, it's a natural thing, that a person loves somebody. So now he loves his parents, or the parents love the child, or you have a friend. Now there's a, out of that muhabbat, you want to sometimes give that person something to eat. Now it's actually the your feeling within you, but you did it with ikhlas. That became sawab, that became ibadat. You gave somebody a hadiyah, a gift. Now, hadiyah, this is a great thing in the hadith, Nabi Islam encourages, tahadaw tahabbu. Give one another gifts, this will increase muhabbat. Provided it's been given with ikhlas. 
Now, when that gift is being given with ikhlas, it has become ibadat. Whereas that is like a natural feeling within a person that he wants to share a gift with somebody that he loves. But supposing that gift is being given just because of some uh, something that because society has developed something in that manner. Nowadays you hear of all these bridal showers and whatever else. Now a person is going for a bridal shower because they've been invited to a bridal shower. And now as the time goes, this is getting more and more sophisticated. Sophisticated what? The begging is getting more and more sophisticated. One is a person who comes and knocks on the door and says, he's begging for something. So now we all look down upon that person. Though it's not right to look down upon the person, we don't know what is a person's position, what is his situation. Though it is wrong to beg without need. But in any case, that's a different subject. But we'll all look down upon that person who's a beggar. He's standing on a street corner. He's got his hand stretched out and he's begging. And what is this? This is dignified begging. This is dignified begging. One is you get crime and then you get white collar crime. Person is sitting in the plush office and he's just signing something here and there, some fraud. So nobody looks at him as a criminal. But he is committing a bigger crime than the person on the street. That person is stealing 10 rand at gunpoint or knife point. And he's stealing million rand one time with one fraudulent signature. But he's looking very respectable in behind one desk and sitting in a plush office, air-conditioned, and Mr. How are you, sir, etc. And he is white-collar crime. And this person now is walking like a thief on the road, and now he's trying to rob somebody, pickpocket somebody. Both are criminals. That person is a criminal too. This person is a criminal too. This person is in a more dignified way, but he's a criminal as well. So one is the beggar on the street, and the other is more dignified way of begging. What is the dignified way of begging? That uh, now somebody is getting married, so uh, now there is a bridal shower. What does a bridal shower mean? You invited, but make sure you come with a gift. And you don't come with a gift, everybody's going to look down upon you. So now this is a form of begging, but it's just very dignified that you invited to bring a gift. Inviting you to bring a gift. And recently I heard something even better. Better obviously in inverted commas, that now you can go to a certain shop. So you'll be informed which shop you can go to. And there'll be a list there. And they'll be ticking off. These things are already bought, so you can choose one of the other items. So can we imagine, and this is given such a glorified uh, appearance, that now everybody feels, oh, you know, so, so lovely, so nice. A gift is supposed to be out of the feeling of one's heart. Now, I got invited. If I don't go, she's a miser. And if I go, but I go empty-handed, that's a bigger problem. And if I go with something, but maybe I took my own thing, don't you know there was a list there at the shop? You brought the own thing. You already got this, man. Now, can we imagine what kind of begging this is? One person from Cape Town mentioned to me that this is a very common thing there that if somebody is going for Hajj if somebody is going for Hajj it's a very big social thing maybe now with the number of Hujjaj increasing probably it's now not as big 
But until recently, I'm talking about this, I heard maybe just a few years ago, this is a very big thing. Big thing in the sense that, nowadays if somebody is going for Hajj here in Durban, for example, then that person's immediate family, maybe a little bit of the extended family, and his immediate friends, they would probably now even maybe just make a phone call. There's so many people going for Hajj nowadays, sometimes you come to know after the person has returned, this person also went for Hajj. You don't even know who went and who didn't go. Sometimes from the own masjids. So, so many people are going. But there it becomes a very big social thing. In the Juma, the Imam, the Sheikh will announce also, in our community, so and so are all leaving for Hajj. This person, this is his address. He's leaving certain day. So the Imam will make all these announcements. And then he'll get the whole community coming to visit him. Or, or rather the other way around it is. He will go to every person in the community to go and take their du'as. And they will also come and visit him. So before he goes, they will come and visit him. When they come to visit him, now this is a standard thing. That everybody has to come with one envelope. So nobody will dare come without an envelope. Because now he will become the uh, talking point there. He will become the laughing stock. You came and you came without anything. And one person told me that those envelopes, a person gets so many gifts in that because now the whole town must come to meet him. And whether they want to come or not, they must come. And they must come with an envelope. So a person gets so many gifts, so much of money, many people, the whole hajj gets paid out of that. Just that when they return, now they must give the whole town a dawat also. So now that they already got about 20, 30, 40,000, They'll spend four, five thousand. There's still a cheap bargain for them. So the point is now that everybody must come. But now what this person was telling me is that now as times are going, many people are living in the community, but they are hard pressed. They are trying to make ends meet themselves. So now everybody comes with an envelope. And there's nothing written on the envelope. Just the envelope. So that's a normal thing. They'll bring the envelope and come. This is a very common story that after everybody's gone now, this person will start opening all the envelopes up. And it's a very common thing that he'll get a good number of envelopes that are totally empty. A good number of envelopes, 10, 15, 20 envelopes now, 200, 300 envelopes are there. 10, 15, 20 envelopes will be empty. There'll be some paper inside. Now you don't know who brought it because everybody was just coming. It's a standard, very plain envelope. And so many people brought the same kind of envelope. So you don't know who's who. And that moment they just put it in the hand and went away. So now this person is opening. Now why did that person bring an empty envelope? This is the question. He should have just stayed away. But if he stays away, everybody's going to look at him. So now he has to come. Why this person didn't come? He's a miser or something? So he has to come. So he should have just come and wished him well. No, but then again they'll talk about him. So he has to bring an envelope. So what does it mean? All the others who brought envelopes also were under duress. One, two people, five, ten people brought it purely out of that muhabbat. The rest brought it out of, they were under duress because of the society making this a custom. So the custom became a pressure. Like people do so many things purely out of customary pressure. What people will say. So now this is not ibadat. We digressed on some totally different topic where we were talking and where we went away. But Nevertheless, whatever Allah Ta'ala wills that should be a means of benefit for everyone, that this is something which, now we were talking about ibadat, 
that hadiyah, when it's given with ikhlas, it's an ibadat. But now when it becomes part of this societal pressure, and a person is doing it out of duress, and you ask the person's heart, they don't want to go down to this shop and that shop and see what's the list and buy this and that. But now they have to do it. Because when they were getting married also others brought. So now they go to pay back. So now it's payback time. In India, one person told me years ago, in fact I'm recalling it was one of our ustads who studied in India and he told us that it was a common thing at that time. I'm talking about 25, 30 years ago. This is when he told us. So there's an old story there that in weddings, one person is standing at the entrance and receiving the gifts. There are sometimes these kind of things people say are written on cards also. Gifts, registrar. We only heard about the registrar of births and deaths and uh, registrar of businesses. Now there's a gifts registrar. So in other words, the person who will collect, who will beg on the behalf of whoever is begging. So, now he will, now in India this was happening from that time. He'll have a book there. And he'll be writing who brought what. So now, okay, Mr. So-and-so, they brought this. So now that's written there. Now when Mr. So-and-so's son gets married, then they will give something similar. And if they brought something small, they'll get something small. They brought something big, they'll get something big. Now what all, what is this, all this complete, just a mockery of things, just bringing this, all this customs, rusum, this is only a burden. And we self-burden ourselves. And only because we worried about what others will think. Full stop, bottom line. What will others say? So this is also a slavery. Now this is, this is tied to our topic. Our topic was the slavery of Allah Ta'ala. When a person becomes a true slave of Allah Ta'ala, then he's not worried about what people say, he's worried about what will make Allah Ta'ala happy. And worried about what did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say. But when a person gets enslaved by the customs of society, by the norms of society, then the person now is worried all the time, what this person will say, what that person will say. And the person who is not enslaved by the norms of society, what anybody wants to say, let them say. Why must that affect me? If somebody wants to say something, let them say. How is that going to affect my life? Will that affect my life in any way? This is an old story. It's not entirely true. But to some extent we can sort of take it. It's not true in some sense, which we discussed also on some occasion. This, that old story from childhood, they say sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt. So on one note it's not right. Because you speak rudely to somebody, those words will hurt. And it might hurt more than the sticks and stones. The sticks and stones might only break some bone. We can then after that put a plaster and put a some some get get the thing sorted out. So the stick and stone will break something on the surface, but the word will shatter the heart. So that is worse if it's a wrong word. Sweet meats that will only sweeten the tongue. Sweet words will sweeten the heart. So how important it is to speak sweet words. And likewise, you put something salty in a person's mouth, you gargle the mouth, finish. Felt bitter, gargle the mouth. But bitter words 
it will pollute the whole heart. I can't just gargle the heart. Not so easy. So we have to be very careful about our words. That we don't blurt out anything without thinking. Think about it. So in any case, the point was ibadat. That to the extent we are the true slaves of Allah Ta'ala, to that extent we will not be concerned about the norms and the uh, customs of society will be concerned about what pleases Allah Ta'ala. And this becomes such a peaceful life. This is the prescription to peace. Because now a person is not chained to all this. Now, I got to do this to please that person. Because what they'll say. And do this to make that person happy. Because what they'll say. And in that process, we are suffering. In order to try to make everybody else happy. If they want to think something, it's up to them. We make Allah Ta'ala happy. We make Nabi Sallallahu happy. And then we see how they make us happy. How Allah Ta'ala makes us happy. And on the day of Qiyamah, how Nabi Sallallahu will make us happy by granting us his shafaat, his intercession. So this is the aspect that we need to be looking towards. So this, the discussion we started off on this note, that our object of coming to the madrasa is to become the true servants of Allah Ta'ala. That is the thing that we have to all the time keep in front of us. Because this is why Allah Ta'ala created us. To recognize Allah Ta'ala and to worship Allah Ta'ala, become His true slaves, become His obedient servants and not to get caught up in all the other sidelines. Now in this, our eating is also ibadat, when we do it correctly. Our speaking also is ibadat. The right things we speak. Our joking with the right intention, within the limits of shariat and deen, without causing any pain to anybody, hurt to anybody, and not saying anything that is out of line of shariat and deen. Then if we are joking also with somebody, with the niyat that even Nabi Wasallam sometimes joked, then that joking also has brought sawab and reward because it is being done in emulation of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So even that joking has become a kind of ibadat. So how beautiful our deen is that 24 hours a person is in ibadat, but that doesn't mean that 24 hours he's sitting on the musalla. Even his eating has become ibadat. His sleeping has become ibadat. His associating with his friends in the correct way with the right intention. That too has become ibadat. Hazrat Khaja Azizul Hassan Majzub one of the senior most khulafa of Hazrat Thanvi after Hazrat Thanvi passed away there were many senior ulama he wasn't an alim in the formal sense but senior ulama of a very high rank Hazrat Mufti Shafi Sahib who was a grand mufti of Pakistan and Hazrat Mawla Abrarul Haq Sahib was one of the senior most ulama of India and mashayikh of India of his time and many others of this caliber they became the murids of Hazrat Khaja Saab, who was a government official at one time. So in any case, one day they were sitting and he was sitting with them and then he started saying some jokes and saying some light-hearted things and Hazrat Mufti Shafi Sahib is relating this and he says he made us laugh so much that we were holding our stomachs. We couldn't bear what he was now making us laugh in such a way that now we were saying enough now. And then suddenly in the midst of it, he suddenly became serious. And he said, look, for this 2-3 minutes, 5 minutes, we were laughing and joking. 
who was mindful of Allah Ta'ala in this entire time. Now this suddenly was just a complete switch over. Somebody is saying something, everybody is so to say, figuratively rolling in laughter. And then in one moment he switched. And he said, who was mindful of Allah Ta'ala in this time? So Mufti Shafi says that every one of us just suddenly kept quiet. That we were now stunned by this question. That we were so engrossed in this laughing the thought of Allah Ta'ala didn't even cross our minds. Now this was a lesson he was giving. He said, Alhamdulillah, in all this time, I wasn't ghafil from Allah Ta'ala, wasn't unmindful of Allah Ta'ala for one second also. Now he was doing it as an ibadat. That's a little bit of lightheartedness, little of joking is necessary also to keep the mind fresh. But it is the salt in the food. Now there's one pot of food and a person puts one kilo salt inside. Now what's going to be the end result of that food? You can't eat it. So, this light-heartedness is salt. It's necessary, but within its limit, within the required quantity. If it goes beyond that required quantity, then it will spoil the food. So in any case, the point is that this is how beautiful our deen is and how wonderful Allah has made it for us. Even our joking becomes ibadat if it's done correctly with the right intention. But this is what we have to focus on. This is why we have come to Madrasa. So now, where we go, we will go to those places that are conducive to this object of ibadat. Now there are some places of merrymaking, the fairs that will come. Again now this April will come, there will be this fair and that fair. Is that conducive to the object of ibadat? There are some places of entertainment, families go and who not, and whether it's on the beachfront or whether here and there, now, are these places conducive to ibadat? This object of ibadat that Allah Ta'ala has created us for. Now, indeed, there's some sacrifice now. We see everybody going in one direction. Everybody is flowing with the flood waters. So that doesn't mean we must get carried away with the flood waters. We need to focus differently. Everybody's gone in the fashion rush. That has become the object. And in that now, haya gets compromised. And decency gets compromised. Basic human decency. Haya is a very big thing. Even basic human decency gets compromised. Now we get washed away with those floodwaters and floodwaters are filled with muck and dirt. That's the floodwaters. So the flood of fashion is filled with muck and dirt. We get carried away with it, we're going to get mixed up with all the muck and dirt as well. And likewise all the other things which inshallah on future occasions we will discuss. So the point is that we have been created for ibadat. And ibadat is an all comprehensive thing. It includes everything of our life, from death, from birth to death, from morning to evening and evening to morning, and everything we can make it ibadat, provided we do it correctly, we do it within the limits of shariat and deen, we do it with the right intention, then our entire life is ibadat. So this is what we have come to Madrasa to learn, how to make our entire life ibadat. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me and all of us the tawfiq, wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم 
اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله واصحابه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين